welcome each one of you here this morning. Welcome you, those who are online. If you have children that are three-year-old through up through third grade, you are dismissed to head down to the kids' zone at this time if you would like to have them go as parents. And if parents, if you'd like to keep your children with you, you're free to do that as well. So kids that are three-year-old through third grade, you are dismissed to Children's Church at this time. And uh, again, thank you for each one of you that have joined us here in person and then also online. Thank you for taking the time to be together as the body of Christ. And if you are brand new here, um, my name is Charles Gwynn. I'm the lead pastor here. And thank you for taking the time to come together as the body of Christ and to join in uh, as we desire as a congregation to have an impact in this world, to allow God to work through us and use us as individuals, as a church body, and we're excited to continue to see God working in and through us as we think about imagining more what he wants to do through us as a congregation and what this church will look like in a year or five years or ten years down the road. And it has nothing to do with us, it has to do with what God is wanting to do through us. And part of what, what, what God wants to do through us It has to do with kind of the mission statement that he's put on the hearts of the leadership in this congregation. And so we're going through a sermon series on the mission statement. And uh, last week we looked at the idea of seek. And before we get too far into it, I just want to read our our mission statement again. It says, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation to lovingly seek, reconcile, restore, and equip disciples so that they can make a difference in their world through ministry. And like I mentioned last Sunday, we talked about this idea of seek and how the harvest is plentiful. And as we look at the harvest, we have to have compassion for them. And we have to see their potential. we got to realize that the problem is not the fact that God isn't saving souls, but that the workers are few. And I encourage you maybe to set an alarm both for 9.38 in the morning and 9.38 at night on your digital devices to remind you. And of course, 9.38 a.m. comes in the middle of the first hour service. So we stopped and we prayed. And we're going to pray for more workers in the harvest field in just a moment. But I would encourage us to know that it begins with prayer if we're going to have an impact in this world for the kingdom of God. And this morning, the title of the message is... The Ambassador's Ministry of Reconciliation. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. And before we jump into those verses, will you pray with me this morning? God in heaven, we are grateful for the word that you have given us. We thank you for the hope that we have to spend eternity with you. That this world is not our home, that we are just passing through, and God, we are grateful that we have purpose and meaning here on this earth, that each and every one of us, you have given a responsibility, a mandate, a command, the ministry of reconciliation. So we as a church desire to follow your word to the best of our ability, to be obedient to your word. And God, I pray that we would understand your word this morning. It's the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Now it came to pass that a group existed who called themselves fishermen. And lo, there were many fish in the waters all around. In fact, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes filled with very hungry fish. And week after week, month after month, year after year, those who called themselves fishermen met in meetings to discuss their call to fish and how they might go about their fishing. 
And year after year, they carefully defined what fishing means, defending fishing, defended defended fishing as an occupation and declared that fishing is always the primary task of the fishermen. They continually search for new and better methods of fishing and for new and better definitions of fishing. Further, they adopted slogans like, the fishing industry exists by fishing as fire exists by burning. And fishing is the task of every fisherman. They sponsor special meetings called Fisherman's Campaigns and the month for fishermen to fish. These fishermen built large, beautiful, expensive buildings for local fishing groups. The the plea was that everyone should be a fisherman and every fisherman should fish. One thing they didn't do, though, they didn't fish. They met regularly. They organized local, state, and national associations to help the local fishing groups to send out fishermen to places where there were many fish. Uh, They continued to meet with great fervor and spoke about their vision and encouraged to speak about fishing, to promote fishing in far regions of the world where many other varieties of fish swam. They enjoyed times to share their favorite casting techniques and all the new fishing equipment that was on the market And yet they didn't fish. And some fishermen got together and decided to to build training centers where the primary purpose would be to gather men and teach them how to fish. And they offered courses on the needs of the fish, the nature of the fish, where to find fish, the psychological reactions of fish, and how to approach and even feed the fish. Those who taught had doctorates in fishology. But the teachers didn't fish. They only taught fishing. After tedious training, many who attended these training centers graduated and were given license to fish. They were sent out to do full-time fishing. Others went out to continue the research on fish and traveled far and wide to track the history of the fish. They praised the faithful fishermen of years gone by for keeping fishing going. Well, after a stirring meeting one night on the necessity of fishing, one young man left the meeting and went fishing. The next day, he reported catching two outstanding fish. He was honored for his excellent catch and was scheduled to visit all the big meetings to tell how he did it. So he quit fishing so he would have time to tell other fishermen about his experience. Because of all this experience, he was placed on the Fisherman's General Board of Directors. He was named in the who's who among American fishermen. Now some of the fishermen sacrificed and put up with all kinds of difficulties. Some lived near the water and bore the smell of the dead fish every day. They received the ridicule of others who made fun of their solitary way, and yet they didn't really do a whole lot of fishing. And imagine how hurt They were when one day it was suggested that those who didn't go fishing or never caught fish were not really fishermen. But isn't that true? Is a person really a fisherman if he never goes fishing? Wow. I'm not saying everything that we do in the church in 2020 is all bad. But as I read through that, 
and kind of the mocking tone of what was being presented, I was convicted personally. Am I fulfilling the mission that God has called me to here on this earth? Or am I just talking about it? And today I pray that you are convicted that God is calling on every one of you as members of this great church to become personally involved with him in reaching the lost souls of the people all around us. See, it's the call to be fishers of men. And it's the call of each one, reach one. And it's the theme of every member is a missionary. And it is a theme that must be repeated, and it is a subject that cannot be ignored. And it is a calling that will not go away because every second of every hour of every day, there are people that are dying without Jesus Christ in their life, and they're going to hell. And I don't think words can express how grieved God must be over all of our talk, including myself, about winning souls for Jesus. And then we never really work that hard to win souls for Jesus. And that's why 2 Corinthians is a reminder. And I pray it's not something that shames us, but emboldens us and challenges us and convicts us. As we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning verse 17 through 21 of the NIV, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, the word reconcile it's in five different locations and different forms in this text, and it really speaks to the fact that these verses are about reconciliation. It's about verse 18 that says the ministry of reconciliation, which involves verse 19, the word or the message or the logos of reconciliation. And this text defines for us the command that every Christian has from God to engage in the ministry of of reconciliation, to proclaim the message of reconciliation, therefore functioning as an ambassador for Christ through whom God is conveying his message. And we, when we say the word reconciliation, in, in our culture we understand what that means, what that looks like. I looked it up online, it was pretty basic definition. It's a bringing back of a relationship, a strained relationship that is brought back together. And there are friendships that need reconciliation. There are marriages that need reconciliation. There are sibling rival rivalries that need to be reconciled. And, and we understand what it means to, to have a, di a, a differing uh, of opinion with someone to the point maybe where there's a divide. And, and we know that we need to be reconciled with that individual. And when it comes to 
being reconciled to other sinners as humans, that makes sense to us. But to be reconciled to a holy, pure, faultless, holy God, that doesn't always really compute in my mind. I mean, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because God is holy. He is perfect. The division that's taking place between us and God is all because of me and my mistakes and my guilt. It's my responsibility. It's my fault. I'm the one that has violated the relationship. And yet God has determined a way in which sinners can be reconciled to him. You'd think he'd just be like, oh, whatever. But God wants to be in relationship with us. And God's plan for reconciliation just blows my mind. I have a hard time really thinking it through because it's a God that is perfect and holy. Being offended. Who's been blasphemed. Whose law was violated regularly and willfully who then desires to reconcile all those violators back to himself. And so by offering his one and only son, his only begotten son, as a sacrifice on the cross for us. But God, in his perfect plan, has designed a way of reconciliation. And we are here in this church, and not only just here in this church locally, but the church that spreads across the globe with the objective of proclaiming the word of reconciliation as ambassadors. And so if you were to take notes this morning to keep yourself awake and to be able to remember what was discussed later on, I'd encourage you to write down, we are ambassadors. The term there that you see in verse 20, ambassadors, is pretty straightforward. It's the term that means an ambassador, okay? It's something that at that time was very familiar to the the culture that was being written to. It was a title that was possessed by someone who represented his government. It was a term of great dignity. And to scorn an ambassador, to reject an ambassador, was to scorn or mistreat the government that that individual represented or the monarch that they represented. And an ambassador, they speak wholly and completely for the king or the government. You see, an ambassador is the mouthpiece of his sovereign. He never utters his own thoughts He never makes private personal offers. He doesn't give personal promises. He doesn't make personal demands. He represents his sovereign. And so we are ambassadors of Christ. We are God's ambassadors. And it says God is pleading. He's pleading to the lost of the world through us. That's the way it's going to happen. It's through us. We don't have our own message. We don't have our own words. We don't make up our own promises. We don't make up our own demands. We say only what God has told us to say. In Paul's day, it was a huge responsibility. And it's really a huge responsibility even for us today. It's, it's very familiar for us today as well. We live in a world full of ambassadors. Every government on the earth sends its ambassadors into foreign lands for representation. And so if you are an ambassador, you wind up in an alien culture. You wind up in a foreign environment. 
you wind up with different traditions or different lifestyles taking place all around you. And that's how it is for us as Christians as well. There's so much around us in this world that cause us to be the ambassadors in a foreign land. Our citizenship is in heaven. We belong in the fellowship of the saints, and heaven is our true home, and we are aliens and strangers in this world, as we discussed through 1 Peter. We're just passing through. We don't like the way the world thinks, or at least we shouldn't. We don't like the way that the world acts. We don't like the things that they advocate, and we don't like what they try to push on us. And in a lot of ways, we try to protect ourselves from the world around us, the evil that is, takes place in our culture. And we try to insulate ourselves from it and protect our children from it and, and the people that we love. But at the same time, at the same time, we are called. We are here because we've been mandated to proclaim the message of reconciliation as ambassadors in an alien culture. And our responsibility here is to not change the culture. An ambassador who goes into a foreign culture doesn't have a mandate to change the culture. And if you're a U.S. ambassador to France or a U.S. ambassador to Haiti or the U.S. ambassador to any other country in the world, your job is not to change the culture your job is to represent the sovereign government that sent you there. You see that? We are representatives of the sovereign God. And Christians today are spending too much time and too much money and too much effort trying to change the culture rather than preach the ministry of reconciliation. And the sovereign has given us the, the message it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have been sidetracked into moralistic efforts, political efforts, trying to make sure we protect future generations as well as the present generation from the liberal left, making sure that we develop some kind of cultural morality, and yet that's not our mandate. That's not what God's word calls us to. Yes, we are to uphold righteousness. Yes, we live as righteous citizens in this world. But our mandate is the ministry of reconciliation. And we have been given an ambassadorship, not to fix the culture, but to proclaim the message of reconciliation. And, and so hear me out. It's changed people, changed by the gospel, that will change the society. Did you get that? It's changed people that have been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ that are going to change society. And this is not my ministry, and this is not just your ministry, but this is our ministry together. And we, as ambassadors, have a ministry of reconciliation. And when you ask yourself why you're here on earth as a Christian, the answer should find its way back to this. This is really a broader understanding of the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and go and make disciples of all nations or you shall be witnesses unto me and to Jerusalem, Judea, and the utmost parts of the earth. If you think about it, the only reason believers are left on earth is for this ministry of reconciliation. 
And maybe you don't agree with me this morning, but as I thought through it, everything else on this earth, it's going to be better in heaven. There should be nothing that's holding us here, nothing of such great importance besides the ministry of reconciliation that we have to proclaim to the world around us. Because I know for me, I struggle. I, I struggle to be holy here on this earth. And, and as Christians, we struggle even with our fellowship. We struggle with our praise. We are easily distracted we struggle with our communion or prayer with God, and we kind of limp, kind of limp along through this life and wonder why, why doesn't God just get us out of here? Wouldn't that just be so much better? I mean, why is he leaving us here? It's because of the message of reconciliation. We long to escape the glories of heaven, and we want to be perfect, and we long for that body which is from heaven, as Paul states in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the first part of that. And yet we're left here, really again for one reason. We're left here for the ministry of reconciliation, because there's one thing we will never do in heaven. There's one thing that we will never do in heaven, and that is, in heaven... We will never tell a sinner he or she can be reconciled to God. You see that? There's, there's not really going to be any evangelism taking place in heaven. There's, there's no reconciliation that's going to be taking place because we're already reconciled to Christ at that point. We are left here, a force of ambassadors with a ministry of reconciliation to declare the message of how sinners can be reconciled to God. And so we bring the message through the word. It's laid out for us right here. All we have to do is spend time reading and meditating and praying through and asking God, how do we use your tool? How do we take the sword and, and do battle? If you look at verse 19, says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message or the logos of reconciliation, the word. He's committed God's word to us in order that we might share it with the world around us. The message of reconciliation, it's pretty straightforward. If you're tired of living a life of sin and rebellion against God, if you're wanting to be a new creation, then the message is clear, and it's through Christ. God's word is very clear. Even in verse 17 that we read this morning, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has God gone, and the new has come. And you notice there, in my version, it has an uh, exclamation point. It should be exciting for us to know that we don't have to live in the past anymore and the guilt and what weighs us down. We don't have to be slaves to sin any longer. But it's through Christ. It's only in the person of Jesus Christ that we can be reconciled and made new again. In fact, John 14 verse 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And you can follow somebody here on this earth, you know, online, Twitter, you know, wherever, following someone, 
And you can even be in a very intimate relationship with someone in marriage. Or you can just be in the presence of people. But it's only in Jesus Christ that you can be in the one that brings about salvation. And what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, it's, it's kind of like Noah and his family in the ark. The ark was kind of a type of Christ. And God had told Noah that he was going to judge the earth. And he told Noah that there was safety in the ark. And he told Noah that if he wanted to be saved, he would have to get in the ark. Church, when the flood came, the only people that were saved were the ones that were in the ark. See, they were safe in there because God shut the door and no one was going to open it. And we, in Christ, it's the same thing. God has promised a day of judgment. He has assured us that the only way to be saved is in Christ. And in fact, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 28 says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. And we also read in Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, our sins, our mistakes, our mess-ups, that separates us from God. And the picture that I always have in my mind is God on one side of a huge chasm. And us. And the separation that takes place because of our sin. And the only way that we're brought back to Jesus, to God, is through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And we draw a cross between us on one side of the chasm and God on the other side of the chasm. And we're reconciled to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, if we're going to be reconciled back to God, we must put our trust and our faith in Jesus and respond through repentance, which is a desire to allow God to change us, to change our lives. And we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we're willing to die to our old selves, to be buried in the watery graves of baptism, to rise in newness of life, and in order that we might have the gift of the Holy Spirit and a forgiveness of sins that we might daily choose to live for Jesus. See, it's all about Jesus. In fact, some people say, well, what do I share with someone? If I'm trying to reconcile them to God, well, there's lots of things you can share in God's word, but one thing that I want to draw your attention to is Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23 and it's, the, again, this concept of God reaching out to his creation. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19, it, it begins speaking about Jesus. It says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, talking about Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's the message that we have to share. And once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, 
But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present your whole, you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. We take God's word and we share it. We don't change it. We don't think we have to come up with our own words. We share what our sovereign has given us as ambassadors to share. It's the idea of being reconciled to God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that is the message that each of us needs to share with a parent, a spouse, a sibling, a child, a relative, maybe a coworker, a friend, or a neighbor. And I'm not saying it's easy. If it's easy, we'd be doing it right and left. But it takes prayer and dedication and a willingness to be living a life of being on purpose. And knowing that the only chance we're going to have to share the message of reconciliation with someone is here on this earth. And I would say one of the easiest ways to share that message is just to tell your story. To share what God has done in your life. To share the hope that you have for eternity. And maybe you start a conversation with, so what do you think is going to take place once this world is all over and done with? And allow for them to share what they think. And then share what, from God's word, we know to be true. And so as the praise team comes this morning, God is calling on you to become personally involved with him in reaching lost souls. And God wants to accept you'd accept your calling as his ambassador, his missionary to this world. And it's time for myself and any of the rest of us to stop making excuses. we got to stop making excuses and start doing what God has called us to do. So the question is, are you ready to quit talking about fishing? Are you ready to quit talking about being a missionary or an ambassador and actually start being one? Because it's not really about you or me. It's about God reconciling lost souls through his son, Jesus Christ. A childhood accident caused poet Elizabeth Barrett to lead a life as a semi-invalid before she married Robert Browning in 1846. And in her youth, Elizabeth had been watched over by her tyrannical father. When she and Robert were married, their wedding was held in secret because of her father's disapproval. And after the wedding, the Brownings sailed for Italy, where they lived for the rest of their lives. But even though her parents had disowned her, Elizabeth never gave up on the relationship. Almost weekly, she wrote them letters, and not once did they reply. And after 10 years, she received a large box in the mail. Inside, Elizabeth found all of her letters, and not one had been opened. 
Today, some say those letters are among the most beautiful and classical English literature. And had her parents only read a few of them, their relationship with Elizabeth might have been restored. Have you been reconciled to God through salvation? If you never have, today is the day of salvation. And God has written you a letter through the Bible that is pleading for you to be reconciled to him. My prayer for you this morning is don't reject this letter this morning. In fact, 2 Corinthians 6.2, which is some verses that follow the passages of scripture that we read this morning, it says, For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And this morning, if you need to give your life over to Jesus Christ for the very first time, will you come as we sing? Will you stand with us this morning?